thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us. You've done so much for us. Thank you for life, for health, for strength. If we had a thousand tongues, they would not be adequate to express your goodness and your grace. So we magnify you and we bless your holy name and we thank you. Thank you for provision. Thank you, the Lord, for every challenge that we face because we realize it could be so much worse. You've been good to us. Would you lift that hand and say, Lord, you've been good to me. And we've come to praise you and honor you. We don't come to complain. We don't come to fret. We just come to thank you and give you glory and give you praise. So be with us today as we worship you and as we praise your name. Be with us as we share from your word. Speak to our hearts and bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank God. Amen. Remain standing just for a moment. I'm going to read the text in just a moment. We've got 15 guests from Hong Kong. Many of them are pastors, and they're from the Assembly of God, our sister denomination. Let's welcome them to the house of the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. You know that in certain parts of the world, Christianity is not the endorsed religion of the state. But we praise God for their faithfulness to the work of the Lord and their love of God. And we appreciate them so much. Praying for you. Thank you for your wonderful congratulations as my 74th birthday approaches. Been around for a little while, and it's good to be around, and it's good to be here. The Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 14. John 17 and 14. And the Lord Jesus said, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me, that's us, through their word. Christ's prayer for the preservation of his followers. Would you repeat those words after me, please? Christ's prayer for the preservation of his followers. Please be seated. Prayer was one of the central activities in the life of Jesus Christ. 
There's the one thing that he never forgot to do. Whether he found himself in the midst of victory or in the midst of trial, Jesus always prayed. The idea of the Son of God praying has given rise to questions in the minds of many individuals. The fact that he prayed should not cause there to be questions in our mind. That he was the Son of God qualifies him above all others to pray with and converse with the Father. Prayer stood central in the life of Jesus Christ. And before all the crises of his life, Jesus prayed. He prayed before he embarked on the Galilean ministry. He prayed as he started to choose his disciples. He prayed before the Sermon on the Mount. He prayed before the Transfiguration. He prayed before he taught the disciples the prayer of the ages. And he prayed before the ordeal of his trial and the ordeal of his crucifixion. But as often as Jesus prayed, he never became the center or the focus of his prayers. We don't find him praying selfishly. We don't find him praying for self-advancement. His prayers were usually concerned with entreating God's help or God's aid for somebody else, for some person in need, or to prepare himself to minister to the needs of the people. And if Jesus had to pray, all that he was, all that he knew, all that he could do, how much more do we need to pray? The prayer with which we are now concerned is the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Bible. In other scriptures, the fact that Jesus prayed is mentioned, but the content or the words of the prayer are not always included. In this intercessory prayer, this prayer on behalf of the disciples, John decided to include all the words that was spoken by Jesus. And as we read this prayer, it's easy to understand why John wrote this prayer down. When Jesus prayed this prayer, he knew that his earthly ministry was almost over. Soon after this prayer was finished, Jesus was arrested and tried and crucified. But those matters about which a person speaks most are usually those matters that are of primary importance to his mind. Jesus did not pray for himself even though he was about to be crucified. He prayed for those who were his disciples. He was concerned about their future welfare in his absence. His disciples had learned to depend on him for help in every situation. He'd shown them time and time again that he was able to meet every form of aversion and to scale every barrier that they might have confronted. 
They had seen how the lightning, wind, and thunder obeyed the voice of Jesus, and they had observed how even the demons obeyed his commands. They had seen him deal with the sick, and they had seen him raise the dead, and they were there when he fed the 5,000. They had learned to depend upon Jesus for everything. They trusted him as he led them into and through every ordeal and provided the solution for every trial that they confronted. He had personally led them over high mountains and he had led them through dark valleys. But now he was not going to be physically present with them anymore. And in preparing them to live without his physical presence, he had taught them and had set an example for them. But he felt that somehow what he had done was not enough. He realized that without God's help, all of their efforts would be in vain. And so Jesus felt this way because of his knowledge of the factors that would confront them in the world. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. During the early days of the church, the mere admission that one was a Christian could lead to his death, could lead to his imprisonment. Jesus foresaw all of this. He thought about how Satan had desired Simon Peter that he might sift him as wheat. He thought about how many of the disciples would be put in prison and stoned and crucified. He foresaw how some would be led to Nero's chopping block and how some would be devoured by wild lions in the arena. Yes, the world would call for the worship of the Roman emperor and a denial of Jesus Christ. And Jesus foresaw this as a type of world that the disciples would be living in. The world has not changed to any great extent or to any great degree even today. Even though Christianity is said to be the dominant religion of our nation, and even though we place in God we trust on all of our coins, the world has not changed to any great degree. Everywhere we see worldly materialistic philosophies tearing down the foundations of righteousness and virtue. Everywhere we hear men and women propagating the idea that morals don't make any difference and that there's nothing wrong with doing wrong. The world has not changed. Satan everywhere provides the motivation, the opportunity, and the rationale for sin. TV shows young people are taught to rob, steal, cheat, lie. They're taught that the highest value in life is the physical satisfaction of passion and of lust and have based many of our commercials, movies, and books and songs on that premise. And the world justifies all of this by saying everybody does this and everybody does that. So you might as well get in the flow and go with the tide. And so in light of all of this, Jesus prayed. He prayed for his followers. Now prayers are made as significant by what they do not contain as by what they do contain. When the Pharisee said, Father, I thank you, he was doing just fine. But then when he began to boast about how much better 
he was than other men. He illustrated the insincerity and hypocrisy of his attitude. And for this prayer, he obtained nothing from God and worldwide an eternal disrespect from all others. But the publican who prayed in the same service said nothing but, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And he smote his hand on his breast. But when he left the altar, he went down from that service justified rather than the other. This was a very crucial and a very important time. And Christ prayed about a matter which was very crucial and very important to him and to us. He did not pray for the wealth or for the health of his disciples, something more than health and wealth, something more urgent, something more necessary was on his mind. As the cross loomed large in his pathway, the economic and physical well-being could at best be only secondary matters. Not only that, not, not that he and the Father are not concerned about these things, they are concerned about these things, but how many of you know there's something more important than health? How many of you know there's something more important than wealth? He did not pray that they should be separated from the world, placed on some island far away from the rest of men. Neither did he pray that God would lift them immediately up into heaven. He did not pray that God would take them out of the world because the world needed them too much. It's not our prayer to be taken out of the world. The world needs the church. It needs the message that is preached by the followers of Jesus Christ. And the church is the world's only hope for survival. In this battle against evil, the place for soldiers is on the battlefield. And the concern of Jesus was not that soldiers be taken off the battlefield, but that they be kept on the right side and that they endure until the battle was won. Jesus knew that only God could keep and help and guide and direct the disciples. He knew that they were unable to preserve themselves. Listen, there are those who try to keep themselves, who have the confidence that I, in my own power and might, can do for God all that needs to be done for God. They testify about how good they've been. But before God, all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. Hallelujah. And listen, we're not fighting a flesh and blood battle. We're fighting, the Bible says, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against demons and devils who are of great spiritual and moral power. And Satan, as a roaring lion, goes to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Hallelujah. But before we go further, let us inquire why Christ prayed this prayer. For there are those who hold that it's all right for sin to take place in the life of a believer. They say that Christ does not save us from sin. They say he saves us in sin. And that though our life does not change, it's still under the blood of Jesus Christ. There are those who feel that God will ignore their sins just because they call themselves Christians and because they go to church occasionally. 
But listen to what Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, Father, keep them from the evil one. And that implicitly means keep them from evil. So that we would really know what he was talking about. He went on to say, sanctify them through thy truth. For thy word is truth. Jesus prayed this prayer because so much had been invested in our deliverance from sin. So much had been invested in our preservation from sin and in our separation from sin. God invested his only begotten son. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God gave forth his son, sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law. God invested his best gift, his most priceless treasure, his only begotten son, in our sanctification. She shall bring forth a son, the Bible says. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God invested his best. Jesus invested his all to save us. He came all the way from heaven down to save us from sin. And Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and purify it with the washing of water by the word, and that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus prayed this prayer because he invested himself in our righteousness. And for God to invest his son in a believer who does not live holy is like spending your life savings on a house that will not stand or a car that will not run. The Bible describes those who accept Christ but then live in sin as being like a dog that returns to his own vomit or a pig that returns to her wallowing in the mire. The Bible says those who return to sin Crucify the Son of God afresh and do despite to the Spirit of grace count as nothing the blood of the covenant and trod underfoot the Son of God. And so Jesus prayed this prayer because he did not want his investment in us to be in vain. He did not want his death. He did not want his resurrection to be in vain. But Jesus also prayed this prayer because he knew that holiness was as much a part of the plan of salvation as is justification and the new birth a part of the plan of salvation. When God sanctifies us, God also, when God saves us, God also sanctifies us. And when he sanctifies us, it's his will that we should continue to live sanctified, free without sin for the glory of Almighty God. And holiness is essential to our salvation and our entrance into God's eternal glory. Be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Jesus prayed this prayer. He prayed it because sanctification is our only evidence of the power of the gospel. Can I say that again? Sanctification is our only evidence of the power of the gospel. You're God's example of what his grace can do. Men will never hear us 
or receive our message if we're bound by the same sins that they are bound by. They'll never hear our preaching and our testimony if we're in the same places they're in doing the same wrong things that they are doing. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Men are seeking a way out of sin. And by our righteous living, we've got to show them that Jesus Christ is the way. And if Christ has made no change in our lives, why should men expect that he'll make a change in their lives? If you love the Lord, if you serve the Lord, if you are saved, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, then your life ought to show it. Your behavior ought to illustrate it. Clap your hands and give praise to God. And finally, Jesus prayed this prayer because he knew that righteousness was our key to survival. Look toward your neighbor and say, righteousness is your key to survival. Righteousness is your key to survival because sin is not only wrong, sin is destructive. I said sin is not only wrong, sin is destructive. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but it says that sin is a reproach unto any people. Hallelujah. Sin will bring you down. Sin will bring anybody down. If you're living in sin, I want you to know that sin will destroy you. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. If you're wise, you'll come to God and you'll say, God, keep me. Help me to walk in your way and to do your will. If you're wise, you'll say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my way, but Lord, help me to walk in your way and help me to do your will. Hallelujah. The practice of evil will bring you under the rule and the control of the evil one. For the Bible says if you do the wrong thing, if you walk in the wrong way, if your life is filled with evil and with wickedness, you're being ruled by the power of wickedness, and that is by the devil. And the devil is a roaring lion. He's just walking to and fro, and he's seeking whom he may devour. But if you're under the rule of Jesus, you'll practice righteousness. And so Jesus said, Father, keep them from evil, and then sanctify them through thy truth. Neighbor, I'm here to let you know that Jesus prayed for you. He prayed not that you'd be rich, not that you'd be profound and intelligent. He just prayed that you'd be sanctified and that you'd walk in holiness before the Lord. And if Jesus prayed that prayer, then it's possible and it's right to live holy. If you want to live holy, if you want to be sanctified, you've got to really have a desire to be kept. You've got to say, Lord, I want this. 
God will not force you to live holy. God will not force you to do anything. If you're working for God, it's going to have to be a voluntary deal. You've got to say of your own volition, not my will, but thy will be done. Isaiah said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If there be a willing mind, it is accepted. And so if you make up your mind, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to bring glory to your name. I want to walk in your way. God, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all the angels will show up to help you make it and help you live for God. God is faithful and he will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that you're able, but he will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But you tell two people you can live holy by the power of God. God, if there's a willing mind, will give you strength, he'll give you might, he'll give you power. While I'm talking about power, if you really want to be what God wants you to be, you need the Holy Ghost. For the Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power, power, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. The same power that raised up Jesus is available to help you to live according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. Lord, empower us. Lord, enable us. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit so our lives can be holy and our lives can be righteous. When the Holy Ghost shows up, he gives you power, he gives you might, he gives you strength. But somebody lift up your hands and say, Lord, fill me with your power and with your anointing. Hallelujah. If you want it, you've got to have a desire. If you want it, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. If you want it, you've got to pray. Pray, and God will help you. Pray, and God will bring you out. Pray, and God will bring you over. Pray, God will bring you through. Oh, yes, he will. I heard the Bible say, call unto me. I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Our great God, our mighty God, our omnipotent God said, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven then will I forgive their sin, and then will I heal their land. Does anybody know we need to hear from heaven? Does anybody know we need forgiveness? God said, turn from your wicked ways, and I'll bless you, I'll help you, and I'll lift you. And our world needs to be blessed, 
And if the church becomes the church and does what the church is supposed to do, I see the world, I see men by the thousands coming, asking, what must I do to be saved? Lift up that hand again and say, Lord, we need your help. We need your power in the name of Jesus. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Child of God, he's able. I said he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God can keep you. Tell your neighbor, God can keep you. God can help you. Grab him by the hand and say, God can bring you through. In the name of Jesus, he's able. He's able. Don't be hopeless. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Make up your mind. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to serve him with all of my might. If God be my strength, if God be my power, here's one that's going to live for him. Here's one that's going to serve him. If God will help me, I'm going to hold up the bloodstained banner for my Lord. The temptation may be intense. The attack of the devil may be intense. But make up your mind. I'm going to hold on to the Lord. I'm going to hold on to my righteousness. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, hold on. Hold on. God will bring you through. God will. God will help you. You can't do it by yourself. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings just like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand up and praise Him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help us, help us, help us, help us. So many are falling. Help us to stand. So many are going back. I want to make it in. So many are leaving you. But I want to hold on to my faith. I want to hold on to my salvation. I want to hold on to my righteousness. Let my life give praise to your name. Let my life give you glory. Let my life be an example so men can see what you can do. Lord, have your way in my life. Yes. Lift your hand and say, yes, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes. Hallelujah. See what the devil does. He 
tries to trick us away from God to get us off God's territory. He tries by temptation to draw us away from the will of God and he draws us away so he can destroy us. But if we hold on to the Lord, the devil can't get through to us. The devil can't stop us. The devil can't harm us. I don't know about you, but the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's get in his will. Come on, church. Let's walk in his way. Come on, church. Let's give him glory. Come on, church. If we get in God's will, all things, I said all things, work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek God first. God will bless you, bring you over, bring you through, and bring you out. I wish somebody would praise him. Oh. Stand up, everybody. Give praise to the Lord. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. Hallelujah. 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 from the evil Psalm 25 and 15 Psalm 25 and 15 the Bible says mine eyes are ever toward the Lord he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Get the picture. Here's a man, a woman whose feet are caught in the net. But they looked up to God and they said, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. He's going to take my feet out of the net. Oh, that's the rich word from God today. Even if you fail, even if you found yourself caught in some kind of net, I dare you just to lift up your eye toward the Lord. Now just, just kind of pick your feet up and Step out of that net of sin, that net of wickedness, that net of defeat, that net of fear. Clap your hands and give praise to God. He 
whom the sun sets free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Somebody wants to be free today. Somebody wants to accept Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I cannot help you on the devil's territory. I will not disregard my word. But if you'll put your life in my hands, all the promises of my word are yours just for the living. All the blessings of mine are given to you just because you put your life in my hands. That means you never have a problem. But it does mean you'll never have a problem without Jesus there to help you deal with it. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for somebody who does not know Jesus. I want to pray for somebody who's not saved. I want to pray for somebody whose sins are not forgiven. I want to pray for somebody who's not sure that they're on their way to heaven. I want to pray for somebody who's in that net, that, that net of sin, that net of weakness, that net of failure. And you want the power of God to work in your life and set you free. I want to pray for you, and I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Right where you are, Jesus Christ can become your Lord and your Savior. Right where you are, you can never be the same again through the power of God. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I want God to be Lord of my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want to live for Jesus. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I just want you to lift that hand as your way of saying, preacher, pray for me. I need God. I need God. Lift that hand. Hold it up, please. Don't lower it. Everybody's eyes are closed. It's just you, me, and the Lord. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I need God. Raise that hand. Lift it high. It's your way of saying, preacher, include me in the prayer. Lift your hand high so that I can see it, please. Don't be afraid. Lift it high. Lift it high. In the balcony, lift that hand high. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. I want God's blessing on my life. I want to live for God. I don't want to have to do this thing. I want God to know that I love him and that I want to serve him. Raise that hand high, please, quickly, 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 quickly. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. For every individual in this room that said, pray for me. I ask your blessing, dear Lord, upon their lives. You brought them here, dear Lord, because you had a word for them. And dear Lord, I pray that you will draw them to yourself. The world, Lord, depends on us. And we pray that you'll help us, Lord, to be what you'd have us to be so that we can bless the world as you planned for us to bless it. This troubled world, with Ebola, this troubled world, with wars in Gaza and wars all over the world in Syria, death and dying and children are suffering. Dear God, the world needs your word and the world needs your power. Help us, dear Lord, to be what we must be so you can be through us to the world what only you can be. Help us, forgive us, 
and transform us. Everybody say this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for all my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I want to be righteous. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord, according to your word. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 